0: the hardest food to eat is? Hardest fruit or food? Food. No. Struggle enough? (laughs)
1: Vitamin so. How is that the hard... Because it's a struggle. (laughs) Shut the... You know what? You and your dad
0: jokes. You know, guys, I actually came up with that myself. (laughs) I've been holding it. <laughs> this is not no she doesn't approve of it.
1: <laughs> you are awful.
0: do you want to sing a song just to apologize An apology
1: um let me see a song that I can sing this this whole this this episode is not gonna be fun, so let me try to no, sing no, a that song awful, that we're gonna like it um okay, so the case happened in nineteen ninety three What's a song that was famous in 1993? <gasps> Jesus mira Satanás. This is the rhythm of the night. Of oh, night. Oh, yeah. Jesus, Jesus mira Satanás. Jesus
0: Satanás. Yes, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of famous yeah. songs. It was a Brazilian person that sang that. Do you guys know? Yeah. Did you yeah. guys
1: know that this is the rhythm of the night? It's a Brazilian girl. There you go. We're well, everywhere. women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more you know, the more you know cooler. Yeah. So um let me try to find a a Brazilian song though. Because this is a Brazilian case. Meu cabelo assim, cabelo duro, de You can't sing that, Carol. No, I that can't. Would sing that would be cultural appropriation. Yeah.
0: Meu cabelo
1: assim, Cabelo duro. Okay, I think we Oh my god, Joey Lawrence! Nothing my love can fix. You guys, who else watched Blossom growing up? I did. There's nothing my love can fix for you, baby. Ooh. ooh, ooh. I'm okay. positive of this. No yeah. Okay,
0: enough. Hello, guys. Hello. I am Carol and I'm Stephanie, and this is the True Suspiria. Crime Show. Yeah, yeah. it's the
1: Spirit. Spirit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the True Crime Show. This is
1: the True Crime Show. <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh Suspiria True Crime Podcast. The podcast where we talk about horrible things that happened way, way, way down there in Latin America. So And today
1: this is a very horrible case, but Guys, it's a special case because this is the first two parter episode
0: that we're doing. What? It's a two parter?
1: Wow. It's a two parter. Can that's you that's crazy? I feel like we're grown up. In uh, grown ups in the podcast business now because we have a yeah. two parter,
0: yeah. I feel like that's it's, some very
1: grown up shit to do,
0: guys. It's not a two parter, meaning that it's a really big case and we just divided it in two. No, it's actually no. one crime and then one crime that happened as a result of this other crime, so it is double interesting. Yes, how great! Yes, yeah, so it's yeah, very
1: it's, interesting but uh, sad
0: oh this really this
1: whole story is literally the meaning of this the expression sad but true
0: that. exactly, yeah, so it's not a fun case. that's why we're probably gonna release a bonus episode soon so you guys can you know feel happy again, maybe someday because this is really it sucks. So, tell us about this case. The first uh, part of this two-parter episode
1: um, talks about the Kandelari Massacre. Mm-hmm. We have talked about a massacre here before, Karanjiru, and it wasn't fun. Oh, speaking of that, mm. let me just uh, just look at my calendar. One second, guys. One moment. Come on, phone. Unlock. Okay. I have good news for you, Carol. What? Carol doesn't know anything about no? this. What's up? So, let me see. So... If we put this, uh huh. Okay, so speaking of uh, the Karanjiru massacre, I am going to be doing a live stream in this amazing Facebook group called <gasps> Last Profile yeah. on the Left on uh, Saturday the 6th, which should be the coming Saturday from this mm-hmm. episode. And I'm going to be talking about the Karanjiru massacre. I know you guys have already heard that episode. Well, mm-hmm. if you haven't, well, now you have a chance to listen to it. I
0: guess but I, I see will Stephanie. be
1: talking about yes. it,
0: yeah actually and yeah. you get
1: to see my ugly face mm-hmm. <laughs> as i talk about it and there's i'm gonna put pictures up and stuff and yeah. if you're in that group show
0: me some support yeah like, and also if you're in that group you can go and watch or re watch this live stream that i did a few months back about the samuju case which again yeah. is another episode that we already did here but if you want to see me talking about it you know without Stephs yeah. interrupt me and stuff. That's fine, and um, you know, there's pictures, pictures stuff. on her. Yeah, stuff. definitely. It's it was a good presentation. So you guys can definitely watch that. I didn't really like, you know, announce it that I was doing it because I didn't know I was gonna like flunk, you know, flunk or something, or you know, just not do anything, or if it wasn't gonna be good. But it was good. It was fine. yep
1: yeah, So, back to the case. Oh yeah. <laughs> After shamelessly plugging my stream. <laughs> So, um, the Candelaria Massacre was a mass killing, which happened on July 23rd, 1993, in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Throughout the night, eight homeless boys, six of which were under 18, were killed in cold blood by a group of men beside the Candelaria Church. This case became widely known, not only in Brazil, but internationally. And following it, many asked for the prosecution of those who shot the children. Mm -hmm.
0: So the Candelaria Church is a famous church in downtown Rio and it became known as a popular location for homeless children to take shelter. According to the survivors of the massacre, children were driven to the church because they had a fountain where they could bathe and drink water. It's also said that the church uh, personnel were known for giving food, shelter, education, and religious services uh religious advice, which could also be why the children liked staying there it is like it's not like a tiny. it's a big church it's like a cathedral almost you know it's yeah. a really old building you had it look architecturally like it looks really nice you know we're gonna always post pictures of it but it's not like you know a back cali church <laughs> does, that, does that make sense yeah it does yeah so on july 22nd 1993 there was a workers' right protest near the Candelaria Church, and among the police officers looking out for the protesters is Marcos Vinicius Emmanuel Borges, who is uh... Ignore DM. He's 26. Oh. I don't know Who's where 26? that came from. So, is is. He's 26 meters away. No. Yeah. No, he's 26. Uh, we're gonna call him Emmanuel. Uh, from now onwards just because there's another person with a similar first name so uh, he approached one of the homeless boys who stayed around the church marcos antonio Alves, marcos antonio Alves da silva known as Comigato, aka Ecat. cat so yeah he did off. not eat cats okay. basically he suspected that him and the other boys were huffing glue in order to get high The boys started arguing with him, and and Emmanuel decided to arrest Comigato, which the boys protested. He kept on moving, and they started throwing rocks at a patrol car, breaking one of the windows. Another boy was taken by Emmanuel, but upon arrival at the police station, the chief chief of police informed him that the boys couldn't be charged with anything, as the glue was not considered an illegal substance it was visibly irritated by the decision to set the boys free and it said that other officers made fun of him for being incompetent and because the one time he actually tried to arrest someone it actually backfired on his face since he probably had to pay for the broken windows of the patrol car himself it's believed that that's why the massacre happened yeah oh, fucking asshole.
1: which is such a silly like of all the things of all the reasons why you would murder kids you being incompetent
0: (laughs) no reason
1: that is not the kid's fault
0: yeah no valid reason ever but like you know because of uh, yeah yeah and
1: um just to just touch upon on the glue thing i know that it's very popular for people to have paint here to get high people do that in brazil too especially homeless people but the glue that they're huffing is not, like, regular glue. It's glue that is used to fix shoes. So it's, like, a stronger mm-hmm. glue. It's not, like, Elmer's glue. I just wanted to, like, <laughs> clarify that so you're
0: not thinking they're just h- huffing, like, uh, like Elmer's much, glue or something. I wonder how much Elmer's glue you actually have to, sniff to get high, like, possibly <laughs> yeah, hours. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and just to touch upon
1: Komigato... I'm not sure why that was his uh, nickname. Mm-hmm. But he... Uh, a lot of the children that beca- that were living at Candelaria, they were essentially living there. They were homeless, but that's where they would sleep every night. There were kids that were abandoned by their parents. Um, one of the survivors, actually, I saw an interview with him. He said uh, that he last remembered seeing his mom when he was five. And there's like mm-hmm. a file... Um, of, like, a courthouse stating that he was abandoned by his mom because she stated she couldn't raise him, she couldn't afford to have him, which is super sad. And Komigato was the oldest, one of the oldest kids uh, in the group. Mm -hmm. Um, He was 19, and um, he was actually kicked out of his house because he was gay. Jesus Christ. So that's how he
0: became homeless, Okay, can I make a if you I don't think we ever did a book recommendation here in this podcast, have we? No, I don't think no. so. but yeah uh homelessness and children in homelessness in Brazil is like something really common and I mean, every time I went back to Brazil after moving to the u s it's the thing that kinda like stuck to me the most, like how my, how many homeless people and homeless kids there are. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah, it's incredibly sad and this massacre, you know, homeless kids being massacred, spoiler. If you guys want to read something, I mean it's not directly linked to the uh Candelaria massacre and it's not a true story, it's a fictional story. Uh you guys can read uh Captains Captains of the Sands, which is a book Written in, like, the 30s. Yeah, by Jorge Amado. Which, yep. guys, it is an amazing book. Like, uh, I don't know how to, like, ex- just read it. Captains of the Sands. They have it translated to, like, every language. It's probably, like, one of the most famous books that we have in, uh from Portuguese. From, from Portuguese, no. From Brazil, probably, is yeah. Captains of the Sands. And so, yeah, if you want a good, book pairing with this episode i guess even though i'm not gonna say what happens at the end okay but there's deaths it's great i love it i love it anyways yeah so
1: at around 11 p.m the next day july 23rd a car drives by the church one of the occupants in the car warns the boys to get the hell out of there because quote shit was about to get real yeah, so it's just like a, a random person driving around in a car saying, "Get the fuck out of here. Shit's about to get real." And on the scene was uh artist and activist Ivonne Bezah Jemelo. Mm-hmm. Uh this one is like an incredible guys- woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it pops up later too. Yeah, she's an incredible woman. She is like uh you know, you know mm-hmm. when you look at someone and you just know that they're good. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. Uh, she uh, was part of a social project that aimed to help homeless children living around there. She was very familiar with all the kids at Candelaria, mm-hmm. all the seventy-two children that uh slept there. She knew them by name. They all ca- called her auntie. It was like mm-hmm. she was. It it wasn't like rich people just throwing um, <laughs> crumbles at poor people. She like yeah, was she, involved with him. Yes, she was like literally. Um, so she was there that night when they said that. And she was very worried about what was said. So thinking of that, she gave three boys that were sleeping there a quarter each. And she gave them her phone number so that they could reach out to her mm-hmm. in case something happened. Because back then, pay phones in Brazil, they it wasn't even a quarter. It's called something else in Portuguese, but mm-hmm. I just, a quarter is easier. <laughs> so... She said goodbye to the children Who were sleeping in front of the church And went home It's 11.30pm Wagner dos Santos He's 21 He's 21, <laughs> He's 21. <laughs> That was great He worked watching parked cars So his job is what we call In Brazil a flanelinha It's, it's a boy That mm-hmm. watches your car Basically as it's parked To make yeah. sure your car doesn't get stolen <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah like if you park on the street yeah he'll like basically sometimes I like clean the outside of the car and stuff yeah, he'll help you
1: park like yeah. parallel park if you suck at parallel parking like I do he'll help <laughs> you and then you give him a tip that's mm-hmm. it it's a very common uh, job yeah. especially among the homeless community in Brazil
0: mm-hmm.
1: so he was walking towards the Caneladia church with two other boys they we were talking about like sleeping arrangements and stuff like that and suddenly, they were approached by armed men who beat them and forced them into a car. Mm-hmm. It isn't known where the man intended to take them, uh, but one of the guns appeared to have gone off accidentally, and Wagner was shot. So the men flipped out. They didn't know what the fuck to do. They drove the boys to the Museo de Arte Moderna, mm-hmm. where they forced the boys to kneel and shot them in cold blood wagner only survived because he appeared to be dead but he wasn't dead
0: despite being shot what did he like play dead or was he like unconscious
1: so some people say he played dead other Mm -hmm. people said that he because he was shot he passed out Mm. okay so it depends on who you ask but um Despite being shot four times, one of the bullets even pierced the back of his neck and exited through one of his eyes. (gasps) He woke up sometime after being shot and realized that the other boys were dead. He thought that he was dead too. He was like calling their names and they weren't responding. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, he wasn't like a child, but Mm -hmm. he must have thought, oh, I'm in heaven or something. Um, So after he called up their names, he got up. And walked, like, dragging himself. He walked towards, like, a light. And he found a gas station. And he collapsed at the gas station. The man working at the gas station called for help. And that's important. But
0: Kara will tell you more now. (laughs) That's heavy. So, the same man who shot Wagner and the other boys up at Kandiladia driving a Chevrolet, Chevechi, of course a Chevrolet, with uh, Nova's a <laughs> Yeah. Is, is it a uh, che, uh, Chevrolet like English name or is it? I feel like Chevrolet is a car that
1: existed in Brazil, but there's a, an equivalent in English.
0: I guess it's a Chevette. Chevette. I
1: Really? I did not. I thought that it would have had a different name here.
0: Well, Chevy. I mean, it, it's it, a Cedilla. Camry. Camry. Hm? It's a Camry. No, Camry is a Toyota. <sighs> That's. Huh? i wonder. I right, mean, move on. So they show up at Candelaria with the Chevy, with no visible plates, when all the children were asleep. They call out for Komigato's name with no response. They then start shooting out the place, killing eight children and seriously injuring other six. At midnight at twelve twenty in the is that how you say Twelve twenty, yeah, at 12, night. Yeah, twelve twenty at, at night. Okay. Yeah, after at twelve twenty, one of the boys called Ivoni, telling her that they're killing everyone. She told him not to worry and that she is on her way. Before she leaves the house, another call is made telling her the same thing. The area was known for being heavily watched by police day and night, but ironically, on the night of the massacre, there was no cops in sight. There was no cops in sight. Yeah. Ivani was the first person to arrive at the scene, and she finds all the dead bodies. She surrounds herself with the children until police... And EMT arrive at the scene. So, we're going to do like a list of the victims right now and their ages. So, we have Paulo Roberto Oliveira, who was 11 years old. Anderson Oliveira Pereira, who was 13. Marcelo Canudo de Jesus, 14. Valdevino Miguel Almeida, 14. Gambazinho, who was 17. Leandro Santos da Conceição, 17. Paulo José da Silva, 18. Marcos Antonio Alves da Silva, 19, and... Oh, Desert. Okay. So,
1: after all of this happened, um, Lieutenant Marcelo Ferreira Cortes arrives at the scene without his uniform on. So, he wasn't wearing his uh, cop uniform. Upon arrival, though, him and another patrolman receive notice of the bodies near the museum from the gas station workers. They drive to the gas station where Wagner is bleeding um, in, on the ground and await an ambulance that never came. So, oh like, uh, the lieutenant was like, oh, give me some stuff, like, to stop the bleeding. And he was like, no, 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 the ambulance is coming. The ambulance is coming. But the ambulance never came. So then he decided to drive Wagner to the hospital himself. Mm. Yeah. Investigators are pressured by national and international authorities to get to the bottom of what really happened that night. This is because of another case that happened before, but which we won't get into because we might cover the case later. Mm -hmm. But that case was known for resulting in impunity. This thing was so serious that even like Amnesty International got involved and they were like, we're going to cut funds to your state if you don't investigate this. This is crazy. The survivors were interviewed that morning but gave conflicting testimony, Mm. which when I was reading about this, it took me back to training uh, because I told you guys I work in a bank and we are trained for robberies. And uh, one of the things that it said is that um, when a robbery happens, you're not supposed to talk to anyone about it because you don't want to be influenced by what the other person is saying. Because let's say, if you and I care, work at a bank and we're robbed. And I tell you what I think happened. You might start rethinking about what you thought happened and merging your story with mine. So I thought it was pretty, like, it reminded me of this because the kids probably talked to each other about what happened. Yeah. So they were all giving conflicting stories to the police. So there are rumors that two cops known as Shusha and Pelé. And Shusha and Pelé, really? That's their nicknames. You can't oh we're my seen God. harassing the children at Candelaria and could have been involved in the massacre. So sidebar. Shusha is like the biggest uh child Singer, entertainer, entertainer in Brazil.
0: Prisoner. She's and Pelé, she's really you guys
1: know who Pelé is, it's yeah the most famous soccer player in the world. And in they dated, right? Shusha
0: yes. Exactly. So
1: like- and the only reason why these cops were nicknamed Shusha and Pelé is because one of them was a blonde guy and the other one was a <laughs> black guy. That's literally the only reason. You
0: get with the it wasn't like
1: <laughs> It like, wasn't like they were
0: fans of really them or out.
1: anything. Yes. <sighs> so, so these guys were known for harassing the children. And they were um, suspected uh, as maybe they were involved in the massacre. In the hospital, Wagner points to Emmanuel, our friend up there who arrested Comigato, mm-hmm. uh, who was all bitchy because he couldn't keep them in prison, and Marcelo, the very guy who helped him and drove him to the hospital as having been uh, the men, one of the men who shot him. On the 24th, so the very next day, the children are taken to the police station to look at a lineup of suspects. Among the suspects were Shusha and Pelé, but they don't point them as the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. They don't say that they did anything at all.
0: Mm-hmm. So Colonel Valmir Alves Brum is designated by the chief general of the military police to follow the case alongside the homicide investigations as there, were, as there was suspicion that the police officers might be involved in the crime. Great insight. That was great is it mm-hmm. no it is great oh okay no it's great He he's good yeah he's <laughs> a good right. person yeah so he calls the 5th battalion of the police which was uh the designated battalion to the area of Canladia, inquiring about the cop nicknamed pele the captain of the battalion informed that pele was an undercover officer meaning that he worked for the reserved arms of the military police so he wouldn't have been one of the uh, ones designated to Candelaria. Brum then asked if uh, there was any black officers working at the battalion. The captain informed him that he himself was black, but there was one other black officer. Brum requested the officer uh, come down for a lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only because he's black,
1: for no other reason. <laughs> But just because they had heard a rumor that a black officer was harassing the
0: Why kids. Why do I think this is not going to go right? Like, You keep going. It's not going to go well. So anyway, uh, the officer was Claudio Lins Andrade dos Santos. He uh, thought it was strange that he would be called to the station as he was off duty and at home of the night of the, on the night of the crime. But uh, he went anyways thinking he would just be right back home. Unfortunately for Claudio, he would be recognized by the children and arrested. Claudio was the only one among the arrested who had an actual alibi. His pastor vouched for him and his neighbor told journalists that he had seen Claudio arrive home at the same time he stated on the official record. And Claudio's superiors were baffled that uh, he would have had any involvement with the crime. He was known as a model officer. Still, he remained arrested for the crime.
1: This it Which, just keeps
0: getting worse. Like,
1: yeah. So, police called to the station blacksmith Jurandir Gomez França, who was Shusha's, Shusha's brother in law, to confirm whether or not he had been with Shusha in a bar at the night of the crime. He confirmed the man's alibi, but was taken to the lineup room regardless. <laughs> just because. Just cause. One of the children recognized him and confirmed that he was one of the perpetrators as well. So here's what shit gets bad.
0: It's uh, not bad yet.
1: As if it, as if it isn't already. <laughs> yeah. So according to reporters from the time that were following the case, several men who worked for news stations and newspapers and just like the doorman were called in to fill the lineup room. So I should not make the suspects stand there by themselves because mm-hmm. they had their, the police had their suspects. But like, let's say if they only suspect John, Jim and Ben, they're not mm-hmm. going to put John, Jim and Ben in a room by themselves. They need to make it look like there are several suspects. Yeah. So they were filling up the rooms with like random ass people. And there were reported instances where the children accused these random men of mm-hmm. being the perpetrators. Cause you know they don't they couldn't see everybody it was dark, and you know they're, they're traumatized by everything yeah. that happened. So unfortunately for Juranji and, and uh, some other people in this story, because I'm not going to spoil it, mm-hmm. uh, the children didn't remember really everybody's faces, so. Wagner is brought out of the hospital. This kid was just shot four times. Jesus Christ. Shot through the head, brought out of the hospital for a lineup, and once again, points at Emanuel and Marcelo as the perpetrators. Mm. On July 25th, Claudio, Marcelo, Juranji, and Emmanuel are officially charged with the crime. And... Marcelo even says that um, he didn't understand Marcelo, who was the lieutenant of the Mm. police. So he knows what the fuck he's talking about. He's like, I don't understand why they brought this kid out of the hospital. The kid is in pain. He was shot in the head. He clearly, like, he's not in the mental state to do a facial recognition. Yep. So they were
0: officially charged Mm -hmm. with the crime. So on the seventh ninth, nineteen ninety four, survivor Wagner de Santos is ambushed and shot four times. He survived once again. This kid. Yeah. And yeah, police were unable to identify the perpetrators the perpetrators or whether the crime had anything to do with the massacre. Uh human rights organizations put Wagner in a witness protection program and he has soon moved to Switzerland. Close enough to Sweden, but
1: yeah. yeah, but not under the right circumstances. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I hope he's doing all right. you know. As time went by, the prosecutor's office thought it was strange that there was no link between the four men charged with the crime. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wonder, right? Like, shouldn't you have thought about that before you fucking... <laughs> Anyways. One of them wasn't even a cop, even, so... A new investigation began taking place. As a result, of course, the four men awaited the trial and insisted that they were innocent, rightfully. Shortly before the defense were set up to go to trial, something would turn the case completely around. Former officer of the military police, Nelson Oliveira dos Santos Cunha, surrendered on April 24th, 1996, confessing to the crime. He also vouched for the innocence of three of the four accused men. In his statement to the police, he told officers that he had become a devout Baptist and and that he regretted his actions and wanted to make sure the innocent man would pay for his crime. Well, better late than never. Sir, you just watch. For his confession, four people participated in the crime, but out of the men arrested, only Emmanuel was guilty. According to him... Also involved in the crime were officer Marcos Aurelio Cantra and former officer Mauricio da Conceição Filho, known as Sexta-Feira 13, and also for being a who died in 1994. So Sexta-Feira 13, like, the, the guy's name is Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was known... Awful.
1: He was known for taking pleasure in killing people. So although he was already dead by the time, uh, which the way he died, it was like under suspicious circumstances. Mm. Some people thought it was, you know, just so he wouldn't talk about some shit. Uh, But he was known for liking to see people suffer. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was involved. But again, he died two years before that. So...
0: That sounds like a person that would just walk up to, you know, a group of homeless boys and just shoot at them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. according to the investigation, Sista Trezzi 13 had confessed to the crime or, while chatting with his friends at the Sambola club, club the day after the massacre, saying that he had broken seven boys at Candelaria. The, the thought that you can, like kill just seven kids. kids. Yeah, because one of the kids club died in right the hospital. After. Yeah. Like, like, talk about it with your buddies like that. Like.
1: <sighs> so, November 1996, Nelson was sentenced to 261 years in prison. Emmanuel was sentenced in December of that year to 390 years in prison. And that same month, Marcelo, Claudio, and Jurengir were acquitted. Thank God. But they spent three years in prison as child murderers. And let me tell you one thing. People in prison do not like baby killers. Yeah. They do not like baby killers. So I can't even imagine what these guys went through. So Marcos Alcantara would confess to the crime. Uh, He would be sentenced to, in 1998, to 204 years in prison. But Mm -hmm. like on like he confessed, but on the first day of trial, he was like, "Oh, I'm innocent." Sure, sure. Police also had a witness who stated he'd seen at least three men loitering around Mm -hmm. Emmanuel's house and cleaning the car after the crime. Nelson would be tried once again in 1997 and acquitted of the Candelaria massacre. So he was tried convicted and tried and acquitted so from what i read at least at this time i don't know if it's still like this but from what i read in brazil at this time if you were sentenced to a sentence that was over 20 years you had the right to a second trial and he exercised that right Mm -hmm. and he was acquitted However. He would remain in prison because during the first trial, he had also been found guilty of attempted murder for the quote-unquote accidental shot to Wagner before the massacre. And he had been sentenced to 18 years. Mm -hmm. So, during the second trial, they only discussed the massacre. They didn't talk about the other charge. Mm -hmm. Um, So, remember uh, Brum? What was Mm -hmm. his name? Uh whatever, Brum, the, yeah. the cool guy that mm-hmm. I said was a good guy, he uh, stated that eight men were suspected uh, to be involved in mm-hmm. the crime, but never faced charges, unfortunately, because they didn't have enough evidence to convict them. Two of these men are Alindo Alfonso Lisboa Jr., who was sentenced to two years for being in possession mm-hmm. of one of the guns that was used that night. And the way he was sentence is like he was stopped by police doing like a traffic stop and mm-hmm. they found a the gun and um. that's why he got arrested it wasn't even like someone ratted on him yeah in carlos Jorge liafa who was never indicted despite being identified by a survivor he was identified by mm. a survivor and despite the fact that investigators concluded after doing the ballistics that one of the bullets that hit a victim was shot by carlos's stepfather's mm-hmm. gun but he never faced any charges whatsoever
0: so it won't surprise you guys the listeners to know that unfortunately these perpetrators didn't stay very long in prison by the end of 2010 Marcos Aurelio de Dias Alcantara received a sort of pardon it's hard to translate the laws to English but he was pardoned because of the length of the sentence and he was free. Nelson also received the same grace, and though we couldn't really find the exact date that he was set free. But he was free. Emmanuel was the last one to be released in two thousand and twelve, but he was sentenced once again, as he, you know, had been wanted by police ever since.
1: Yeah, he's still missing. They don't know where he is.
0: Hopefully, dead. He's been
1: hopefully, this mm-hmm. piece of shit is. Yeah, only hope
0: as of 2006 of 72 kids known to live at Candelaria, 43 of them were murdered in either police confrontations or due to conflicts with uh, drug dealers five of them died of AIDS 10 were arrested and the other ones we just don't really know this case impacted and continue to impact our society because crimes like these were not seen as something to worry too much about. They're just homeless children. We shouldn't really care about them. The lack of emotional and psychological support offered by the state to these victims would scar them for life. And through the years past, the massacre wouldn't be forgotten and it would eventually become the headlines once again because of one of their survivors Just acting like a complete jackass. And that is for the next episode. Yes. Yes, you guys. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes.
1: And before we move on to the next episode, uh, I know that Carol had commented something about Wagner living in Sweden, Sweden, Switzerland. (laughs) He is actually not okay. He is blind from one eye and he is deaf from another eye. He suffers uh, from severe PTSD. He still has nightmares about it. He has uh, been in Brazil, uh, at least as far as 2006, which was when the episode Mm -hmm. um, was released. He had been in Brazil a few times uh, just to testify in the trials. But other than that, he had not come back. Other Mm -hmm. victims, other survivors were uh, flown out of Brazil um, to European countries um, as a measure of protecting them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but. Of course, the state wasn't going to fly out 70 children. Like, they're not that good. Um, another thing that happened after the massacre, uh, I forget. I think it was like a neighborhood association. They built these two little houses in a favela for the children to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ivani was the the one who was contacted yeah. about it. And she was told to bring the children there. And I think she brought like 40 kids over Mm -hmm. there. Not all of them stayed. Another cool thing, she has kept the same phone number since this happened. Really? In case one of them wants to call her. Um, So the case turned 25 years old last year. Mm -hmm. And she like gave an interview saying that the last time she spoke to one of them was back in 2014, but she has Mm -hmm. never changed her number just in case one of them wants to talk to her. And she created this big nonprofit in Rio with one Mm -hmm. of the survivors, actually.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) You guys. Big case. I'm excited for doing a part two. I mean, I'm not excited that, you know, two horrible things happen involving the same people. But, you know, these cases... Excited I'm gonna, to have something else to talk about. Yeah, but, like, these cases, what it brings forward is, like, how these people are just, like, it's kids. You know what I mean? They're, like, really young. And they're just completely, like, you know, alone and yeah vulnerable for something like that to just happen it's unbelievable you know like
1: yeah oh another thing that i forgot to say uh although there were there were 72 children that were known for sleeping at Candelaria, they weren't out there that night Mm -hmm. i think only around 40 of them were because um so they the church served soup uh
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for the homeless children and i'm guessing like not i'm guessing i heard about it uh, there was like a delay. Like they were taking too long to serve the soup. So some of the kids went to another church. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's why God. they survived. Because they were hungry. So they were so like, oh, let's tomorrow. just hit up another church.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think we're just going to skip to part two without chatter, right? Yes. Yeah, sounds Part about two without right. chatter. So yeah, shout outs this week. Again, since... I'm not near my microphone as of the moment. I'm just going to shout out a random city that listens to us. Let me just open my shout out board here. Da da da, da, da. We're shouting out the city that we have a lot of listeners. Recife from Brazil. Recife, yeah. Brazil. Recife, Brazil. I really want to go there. Yes. I heard it's beautiful. Uh-huh. Recife is a city, right? It's not like a, it's not a state. Yeah. Again with the geography. It is a city, correct? I know it's not a yeah, state. Recife is a All city. Right. It's a city? Okay. Yeah, Recife is a Ceará. Yeah, Recife. Right?
1: Wait, let me check. Is, it, is No, Ceara? Fortaleza Ceara.
0: Fortaleza, Ceará. Recife, Pernambuco. Pernambuco, yes.
1: Pernambuco, I
0: almost yes. had it. I almost had it, guys. Yeah, we have Why a ton I think of Recife people listening Ceara? to us. Most of our listeners... I'm so sorry. ...in Brazil are in Recife. So, hello, you guys. Hi guys. Yeah, whoever you take are, take me to your house. What? <laughs> no, don't do that. It's it. It's no, take me
1: to your house. It's beautiful. Oh, I, I thought you
0: go- were saying take a picture of your house and say it to me or something. No, I
1: no, no. Know.
0: Take me to your house. I want to be your oh, visitor. Okay. Yeah, if you want to do that, okay. I want to pose. I want to pose. Anyways, you guys. I hope you like. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode somehow. You will creep if you enjoy listening to this. Ugh.
1: Yeah, well.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I- yeah, I hope you guys have a good end of the world. Goodbye. Ciao. See you soon. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Susperia, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.
1: And also, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Susperia Podcast. Facebook is also Susperia Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Susperia Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting.
0: We do, actually.
1: If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at SuspiriaPodcasts at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao!